This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. One more segment here as we prepare for Saints at Bucks. You know, Saints went into that Week 16 game with the worst possible travel setup in terms of traveling cross-country on a short week. Now you go into Week 17 with the easiest possible travel setup, 10 days off and a puddle jumper flight over the Gulf to face Tampa. But, you know, it's I'm still not feeling good about it. You know, I, I, I'd i like to, you know, maybe I'm overreacting. I, I, I am, I am. I get, I do fall into the recency bias thing when you watch them beat the heck out of the Jags. And granted, Trevor Lawrence feels like a shell of himself right now that he was earlier in the season. They've beat the shit out of the Jags. <laughs> I mean, like that, the, a lot of times I'll, I'll hold out hope and I'll be like, well, this game isn't over at halftime. That game was over yeah. at halftime. And, and it's like not only because of Trevor Lawrence, like the Bucks just played well. And I think if the Saints see that same Bucks team, they don't have much of a chance this week. It's obviously a tough go. I'm holding out hope for this team just because it is a divisional opponent. You know how all bets are off kind of deal when, you, when you're facing an NFC South rival. And uh, that's what I'm hoping for, honestly, in the finale, that Carolina can do something magical and, and knock them off if the, you know, the Saints can take care of their business, winning their last two. And then, man, the game's in, in Carolina – and uh, maybe Bryce Young uh, <laughs> wants to go out on a high note with that offense and able is able to do something. But, yeah, that that's a, a whole other story we'll get into, I'm sure, next week more as well. But I feel you. Yeah, the, the, the it was kind of embarrassing watching what, what transpired uh, in that game with the Rams. I was just completely and utterly baffled on how just Stafford and that Rams receiving core was able to pick the Saints apart. Yeah, and I think that's contributed to the just general feeling that this season is completely over because if you watch how that game went, how could you possibly look at the Saints team as one that can win games? Yeah. Um, And and the funny thing is that we talked last week about how, you know, it's like the Saints are in that middle tier, but they're at the bottom of it. And someone who said, someone responded who said, 
they're not at the bottom of the middle. They're at the top of the bottom. And I was like, that's the same thing. <laughs> talking about the same team. <laughs> like, what are you talking like, about? Like, sure. What, what, do you want, what do you want to argue with me about right there? Right. <laughs> what, what are we arguing about? That's that's literally the same thing. Fine. Say that. But it, well, one way or the what other. The that's top of the worst, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we don't have to argue about everything. We're saying the same fucking thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and that kind of leads me into... Well, what Mickey Loomis was asked this week by Bobby Hebert, and you know, for the funny thing is, so for context, this is kind of how the how the sausage gets made here. You know, this week Mickey Loomis was on kind of a combination Saints Hour coaches show, which the coaches right. show is usually Dennis Allen, but because of the holiday, there was no coaches show on Monday, so the Saints Hour was on Tuesday, and. That was that show is Bobby Aber and Mike Haas. And so it's typically just Mike interviewing Mickey. And when Bobby gets involved, you'll get a little bit more off the wall questions because Bobby will not be silenced. Um, and so Mickey was asked about whether they would look at a quarterback in the draft. And, you know, I tweeted his answer just so, so it was on the record because I thought people would be interested in how he reacted to that answer. And uh, here, here's that question and the answer. You know, Mickey, fans have, uh, have asked me, and uh, I'm just a voice of the fans, and I'm just trying to keep it in the right perspective. When you look at, like, the quarterback position, much is given, much is required, and it changes year to year. And you can always, it's always hindsight. You look in, in the past or what happens in the future. For instance, like Alex Smith. He was a solid Kansas City Chief quarterback. Then they draft uh, Patrick Mahomes. We win the bidding of Pat Mahomes. You probably were part of that with Sean Payton, obviously. We got Marshawn Lattimore, uh, how that played itself out. But uh, the question I have for you, are y'all willing right now, even though you have the money invested in Derek Carr, are y'all willing to maybe draft a future quarterback whether it be a Jane Daniels from LSU or whatever, that, okay, not only 2024, uh, then you got to look at 2025, because, you know, fans have told me, well, look, Alex Smith, he was the quarterback for one year, then they passed, uh, passed the torch. And uh, we all know what occurred there. So uh, is that a possibility that you could draft a quarterback uh, if you really like them, like high in this draft, and maybe make moves to move up to get the quarterback of the future beyond Derek Carr. Right, look, Bobby, you're asking me to speculate about the future, and we're in the middle of the season. I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a silly what if exercise. So I'm I'm not even going to go down that path. Yeah, and so I tweeted that answer not because it's an answer, but because I thought. Just people would be interested to see, okay, this is how he responded to it. And the funny thing to me is it's not reacting to, like, like the, the majority of the, the reaction is, what does he mean they're in the middle of the season? There's two games left and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, really? That's what we're taking away from this? We're policing the term in the middle of? Which is just like, that's just how English works. Like, that's just how the, like, we've all sat here and heard words said before. And we can understand that, like, in the middle of something means it's ongoing, it's not saying like we're exactly halfway through the season. <laughs> it's like like people are just looking for any reason to be mad about what Mickey says, what Ta says. And like that's a stretch. But you know, I, I I actually I don't think that there's anything wrong with that answer. 
I think he was pretty, you know, one thing that's been pretty clear as this season has gone on, in my opinion, in listening to these interviews, which I do every week, is that Mickey's fuse has gotten a lot shorter in terms of how he's going to how he's going to react to questions that he doesn't appreciate. And that was one of those instances where he could have just been like, I'm not talking about that now. But, you know, like it was like the uh, the the lazy and uneducated thing all over again, where it's just like this. Uh, I mean, it's a reasonable question. You don't have to answer it. Everybody's um, aggravated or fed up meters, I think, at an all time high right now. So it, exactly. And that's kind of what I'm what I'm kind of leading into. It's I think if you're if like Mickey does a very good job of presenting a very measured, even keeled demeanor approach tone. But I think like there is there is frustration if you read between the lines and you kind of just can kind of understand like that fuse is getting shorter because the front office is, is, is as frustrated as a lot of other people out there. Maybe not as frustrated. I think it's, there's always a middle ground, but like if you're, if you think that this front office is sitting there being like, you know, the, the dog in the fire, or it's like, this is fine. You know, I I don't think that that's what's happening now. They're not going to make all of the decisions that you want them to make in terms of if it was up to a lot of fans, they would have fired Dennis Allen after like week three of the 2022 season, right? Like that's, we would have never even gotten to this point. But I do think that there will be, you know, it's not a question of, and I said, I've said this earlier in the season, it's not a question of whether changes will be made. It's how broad and sweeping they are. Yeah. And will that include drafting a quarterback? I, I, I almost think, and, and, I know I'll get flack for this, but I almost think this is the wrong year to draft a quarterback because of the uncertainty with the head coach, at least in terms of drafting a quarterback, like trading, you know, so if you want Jaden Daniels and your only option is to go all in and give up a ton of draft picks and go up and get them, even if you brought in a new head coach, there would be a lot of question marks around, okay, what does this coach want? How does this coach going to build? Where is the offense going to look like this and that? And I don't know if you can establish that in year one under a new head coach. And if you decide not to do that and you decide to keep Dennis Allen and rebuild the offensive staff, that would mean that you are going all in for a quarterback on a, with a coach with probably the shortest leash on the planet. So like, I, I don't know if this is the year to draft a quarterback, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what happens over these final two games. Cause your draft slot can change a lot in these final two weeks. Right. And so, no GM on the planet is going to dive into, yeah, 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 this is what we're looking at. This is the quarterback we're going to draft right. in week 17. He's not going to do that at any point, but he's definitely not going to do that in week 17 because, and I quote, you are in the middle of a season. And that is accurate because <laughs> the season is ongoing. This is the middle. The end is over there. You can see the end, but you're still in it. And so, yeah, like I think the same reason I'm not going to really get into draft talk right now is the same reason that Mickey's like, why are you even asking me about the draft right now? We're trying to win a we're trying to win a game. Right. You're not even you're not talking flight. You're talking draft. The draft. Draft. We're trying to go to the playoffs. Draft picks. <laughs> What's crazy though is as you know, and mock drafts are I, I can't stand them, honestly. And I, we've been seeing them come out already. And I'm seeing the Saints at number eleven drafting Jaden Daniels. And I'm like, how is that possible? Well, because mock drafts are dumb. <laughs> That's why. Uh, and, I, and then you get to the draft and Jaden Daniels goes at number five and you'd be like, well, but my mock well, draft what? said this. I was going to be available at 11. Yeah. Well, well, and the funny thing is like, and, and here's the thing, a lot of the quarterbacks, I'm sorry, a lot of the teams at the top of the draft are going to be quarterback needy teams. So when you get into it, your options are not necessarily going to be 
draft a quarterback or don't draft a quarterback, your options are going to be give up a ton of assets and trade up for a quarterback or sit where you are and take the best player available. And when you have a lot of quarterbacks going off the board early, some of those players are going to be elite tackles or you know, like, like I, I think like people complain about the offensive line, but then they're like, oh, they're just going to draft a lineman. I'm like, yeah, but that's what you should do. You know, like that's what you have to do. Like the, one of the biggest issues for this team is that you don't have a left tackle. Protect Derek. I, I can't remember who it was, but they shared a clip of um, the Christmas Day game uh, where Alvin ran for six touchdowns. And they were like, the crazy thing is this is basically the same offensive line, except you don't have Teron Armstead. Well, like, yeah, except you're saying that, yeah, this is the same group, except you don't have the far and away best player out of these five players. That's a fucking big difference. It's not a, It's not like, well, the four of the five are like, yeah, but your best player isn't there. You know? It's like saying the 2021 uh, receiver groups. Oh, it's basically the same, except you don't have Mike Thomas. Like, yeah, but that's, right. the, that's important. <laughs> you know? And also, it's like, yeah, but you're also talking about Andres Peter, the guard who's playing left tackles. Like, he's the same guy, but he's at the, he's not at the same position. And Ryan Ramchek, three years later, <laughs> has his knee is gone. So it's not the same. It is nowhere near the same. It's like just because it's the same players, yeah, that's you you could say the same offensive line from 2010. You could put the same offensive line on the field in 2016. That doesn't mean it's the same quality. And like so to me, it's like you're gonna look at this draft and everyone's gonna be climbing over themselves to say, draft Jaden Daniels, draft this guy, draft this guy, draft a quarterback. And it's like you you look at these teams who do that and they bring in the quarterback without a system around them to protect the quarterback right and then you see what happens uh so i like i'm just gonna say it right now i i will fully endorse the saints taking a left tackle if there's a left tackle like a high-end left tackle on the board um because that's what you need in the nfl so that's uh, that's that anything else you want to add no, with with the Saints too, man. It's like, yeah, right now we, we know Derek Carr is not going anywhere, whether folks like it or not. And I'm with you. You got to protect the guy. We've seen him get roughed up way too much th- this season already. Yeah, and like I think people, they'll look at the draft and they'll say, well, if only they had hit on these picks. It's like one of the picks that you missed on was you trying to add that left tackle. And one of the reasons that you're struggling so much is because you missed on that pick. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's just – you know, I, 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 I just think people will look at the end result and not look at the bigger picture of like w- when you when you add a quarterback to a roster that is built, your odds of winning, regardless of whether that quarterback is high. Like I would rather have a, a middle of the road quarterback with a built up roster that can protect him rather than an elite quarterback that's just you know running for his life at every given opportunity, unless that quarterback is Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> then you just have to watch out for referees taking him out. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you just have to draft him instead of trading up for Marcus Davenport, and you'll be just fine. Wah, wah. I have seen people comparing Jane Daniels to Lamar Jackson. I'm like, have you watched Jane Daniels play? <laughs> like, it's this the typical. It's the it's the standard. We're we're gonna, like I, I saw someone they they compared Jaden Daniels to Lamar Jackson as the comp, and then they compared. Drake may to like Josh Allen or somebody like that. I can't remember. And it was like, that's not the comparison. Jaden Daniels and Lamar Jackson are not similar. They just, but they both run, but they run in very different ways. 
And it's like just it's like I, I guess frame two, you could at least say I I've heard See, horrible- I disagree with that. I think Jaden Daniels is more of a more of a Teddy Bridgewater frame, if anything. I don't think I don't think that Jaden Daniels and Lamar Jackson are similar at all, other than the fact that they both run for a lot of yards, but they do it in vastly different ways. And it's I just think it's funny. It was like we're going to compare Lamar Jaden Daniels to Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson runs, but like if you you've watched Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels isn't yeah. isn't he, he's running, but he's running a straight line. <laughs> you know, like like he's fast, but he's not juking people in the backfield he's not running 30 yards back from the line like they're completely different players and Lamar is better but it's just it's you you need a pocket passer who can run and that's what Jaden Daniels is. that's why I like Jaden Daniels but he's not Lamar Jackson there's only one Lamar Jackson yeah I've I've heard even terrible comp I forget who it was was saying that comparing Jaden Daniels to Jalen Hurts and to me that was ridiculous too you know, I, I actually, in terms of their play style, I actually agree. Other than the other than the QB draws in the middle, like it, like he's right. not. The difference is like the frame, but yeah. what they try to do is similar. Like you don't see, like you see Jalen Hurts run for a lot of yards, but you see him running in a straight line and then getting out of bounds, right? Like he's not juking people downfield, and he is trying to stay in the pocket and get the ball out as a passer. And when he does throw it, he can throw some some dimes. Whereas Lamar, I don't think his arm is is at the elite level that a Jaden Daniels is, but he can do so much with his legs that it's such an X factor that as long as he can avoid those big hits and be smart about it, then uh, you know he can they can beat anybody. But I actually think from a from a play style perspective, Jalen Hurts is a better comp. But Jalen Hurts squats six hundred pounds, right? Like Jalen, right. like everyone talks about the tush push as if like oh it's like oh anyone can do this. Like no, Jalen Hurts can do that. Because Jalen Hurts is built like a tree stump. Yeah. Like, and you have an elite center too, help it out. Yeah. But I mean, like, the reason that works is because you have Jason Kelsey, who is very good. And it's like, it's like people talk about the people pushing him. It's not really the people pushing him. It's the fact that Jalen Hurts is able to, yeah. you know, he, he, he looks almost like I, I saw Saquon Barkley doing what Jalen Hurts was doing in that game against the Eagles. And it was a two point conversion where, like, it was like the reason it worked is because Jaquan Barkley has the strongest lower body on the planet. And he's just like in there, just, you know, like working like a jackhammer. But like, that's something that Jaden can't do. Like, that's why like, everyone gets obsessed with comps. Um, and it's like, the, the, it's not as simple as saying, well, this guy's ceiling is this guy. And this guy's ceiling is this guy. It's an amalgamation of 20 different things. And at the end of the day, it's so much more about what's in their head then you know every every quarterback coming in has elite traits right so why isn't every quarterback successful where in a lot of cases it's because that shift from the college game is a lot more about processing and your ability to to identify and and adjust than it is you know having a golden arm you know otherwise ryan mallett would be a hall of famer (laughs) wow sorry um all right let's let's close this out with some x factors uh Going into that Bucks game, we we know how they played in week one, week four, I should say. Um, you know what? What would you say is the X factor for the Saints on defense in this game? Uh, I always uh, focus on the D line this week. I'm I'm yes, looking at do. the secondary, Jeff, just because of how pathetic it looked against the Rams, and I'm a little concerned here. Obviously, no Marshawn Lattimore. We talked about it a little bit uh, with our Bucks guest and. Who's who's going to be taking care of Mike Evans in this matchup? Because, man, oh, man, he's been on a tear this season, leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns. But, yeah, I'm looking at the, everybody in the secondary to respond in some kind of way because Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, 
uh, and whoever it was for the Rams just were able to eat up and tear apart this Saints secondary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's gonna. They do it in different ways, right? You know, like one of the things the Rams did a lot of, and it was a big part of the reason Lalonte was benched is they run a ton of motion. And you got to yeah. handle that. The Bucks don't do a ton of that. Although, like Lalonte said, they they might see that film and be like, "Hey, this is something we're gonna do more of." So you got to handle it if they do. I think you know the Godwin matchup might be a bigger matchup in terms of you know, like I think the Saints still like even without Marshawn. You know, I think they do have the physical corners on the outside that can battle with Mike. You're not going to win every time. But I think that that matchup in the middle with Chris Godwin coming out of the slot is going to be very difficult. And it's going to be on Alante, who is coming off of probably his worst game to to match up. So, you know, I, I, I think the secondary is a good pick there. Um, if I'm going back to week four and the, the one of the things that made that game feel impossible to win, two things. One is stopping the run on first down, um, which they were not able to do very well at all. Like Keyshawn Vaughn didn't have a huge game, but uh, it was the first down yardage. You're talking about four yards, five yards, six yards on first down makes like a lot easier on the offense. And Saints weren't able to stop Kyron Williams last week. Uh, and, but they need to be like what people ask, DA, well, why didn't Zach Bond get more snaps? I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. Why did he only get nine, 10 snaps? Well, it's because you didn't, like, he's a situational pass rusher. He's not a full time defensive end. He's a guy you get on the field in third and medium to third and long situations. Like, he's not getting on the field in third and three, right? He's getting on the field in third and five, third and seven, third and 10, third and 13, right? Those are the pass rush downs. And you just didn't get many of them. And a big part of that is because you didn't stop the run against the Giants. You did, right? That's one of the biggest differences. And you saw a Giants team go out and look solid. They, they looked like a team that could win a game against the Eagles, right? And it's a big part is because they were able to run the ball. Tyrod Taylor is going to start again this week. So I think that gives the Giants a much better chance to win. But um, to me, that's it. Can you stop the run on first down and even second down? And also on third down, can you get Baker to the ground? Like when, when you look at the, the mobile quarterbacks yeah. the Saints have faced and the guys that the Saints have not been able to sack, Baker has to be the most frustrating because he is by far the least athletic of all the quarterbacks that have gave, given you troubles. Right? Baker's not a guy who should be able to just run around and make uh, seven guys miss. And hopefully, you know, like one of the things that you didn't have in that matchup last uh, week four, feels like last year, was Zach Bond in the pass rush, right? So if you can get them into third and long situations, is Zach Bond able to make an impact in this game? Where, like that's one of the few things that the Saints have changed and are doing differently now than they were in week in week four. So hopefully that's because there were several situations in that game the Saints had a chance to get to Baker and get him to the ground and, and make a game-changing play or end a drive early. And instead he would scramble for seven, eight yards and extend a drive and then you have a 13-play drive for a touchdown, right? And that, those types of drives completely demoralize the defense. So to me, that's the, 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 that's the expect. Can you stop running on first down, and can you get Baker to the ground on third and long? If you can do that, then that week four game is a lot closer than it was.
right? And you you had Ike Adam in that game too. You had him going up against. You had him filling in for Paulson Adebo in that game. Um, so yeah, I think to, to me that's it. But let's let's shift gears here. Um, what about offense for you? Man, I, I still don't know if this team knows how how they're using Taysom Hill. Um, a question mark last week. Uh, once again, it just seemed he was completely tossed aside and not even considered. And then there's other weeks where the involvement is, you know, I, I'm, I like the snaps that he's getting. He seems to be, you know, more involved with the offense. But to me, the, the this Buccaneers team, for whatever reason, Taysom seems to have pretty good games against Tampa, and I just want to see him know. What are you, Absolutely not. What are you talking about? I, I'm just thinking about, I guess, uh, he had a In 2020, he did. In 2020, he did. That 38-3 to game, he did. But again, when you have a lead and you can pound the Taysom Hill offense, that's the different equation. But the last few times they've placed the face the Bucks, he has not. So, like, you're, t- you're thinking about 9 nothing, right? Like, he started that game. Um, but Yeah, I just recalled him, too, having a block punt in, in Tampa. Yeah, well, I mean, that was a long time ago. But so you're talking about week, week two, week four. I keep saying week two. He had one completion for 13 yards he had four rushes for 10 yards yeah i just uh i miss his physicality uh last game and i just think the saints need to bring that against the buccaneers i guess uh that that's yeah. really it for me I, I just appreciate that tough running physical style and i know the saints are gonna have to they're gonna they're gonna need that against Tampa. and i think you you just got to get Taysom more involved his lack of touches last game seemed pretty eye-popping yeah, I mean, so last year he had six carries for 24 yards um, in those two games. In 2021, he obviously started the second game. Even then, it was 11 carries for 33 yards. He didn't play in the the other matchup. 2020 was the last time you could look at it and say he's had a good game against Tampa. In the 38-3 to game, he had seven carries for 54 yards. And in the week one game, three carries for 13 yards. So I, I, I think part of it is, you know, the, 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 ta- the Taysom offense doesn't work as well when you're going up against very athletic linebackers and, and like a strong D line, well, right? That they have and, for sure. And that's what the Bucks have in, 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 in waves, right? And so, you know, I, like I, it's also like last week, I didn't see the Taysom offense do it. Like when you run Taysom and he loses three yards, that's – the the reason that part of the offense works is because it's like a programmed two to five yard gain with the potential to break it for a long game gain. But like when you're losing yards, that's as good as a penalty because you're taking the quarterback off the field. So you're not able to make sight adjustments and, and change the play the way that you might be able to otherwise. And then, you know, they're able to load up and do what they want to do to stop that because you're like, again, and I'm going to go back to it. My issue isn't so much, well, they're not pounding Taysom Hill into the line eight times a game. My issue is that you're using Taysom in only predictable ways. Right. And he is a guy whose entire skill set is being unpredictable. Like, that's what drives me nuts. And they have gotten him more involved as a receiver. But again, it's like there, you should have instances where you get a certain look. With taste, you you send Taysom out there in a package of Derek Carr. You get a certain look, 
and you have the option to check into a Taysom run because they're giving you a dime look with Taysom on the field, right? Like, why do we never do that? And that's what drives me nuts about the Taysom package <laughs> because it's like the whole point of Taysom Hill is that you can take advantage of the other team by doing something that they can't defend. Because, but, but you never take advantage of that. You only use Taysom in situations where the optimal defensive grouping is on the fields. And that's so dumb to me. It's so dumb. To me, it's an indictment on the creativity of this offensive staff. And they're using Taysom in the, just the most simple, predictable ways. And I don't think the answer is to do that more. I guess you, you, would, you could do that more, right? Like you could do it more, but I don't think that would solve your issues. I think you need to take advantage of Taysom. Throwback passes, right? Like stuff that's creative. Like you have a guy who can run the ball or throw the ball, yet you only put him in situations where he's either going to run it or throw it. There are no options. The, the the you mentioned the creativity. It's like yeah, well, we have a a huge red zone target that all he does is catch touchdowns, but for some reason we don't decide to use him either. I mean, they've used him more. <laughs> They only got into the red zone once again. I mean, like, I'm not going to fault them for using Jimmy Graham in the red zone. I'm going to fault them for not using Jimmy Graham in the red zone. And they, against the Rams, they didn't really get into the red zone. They got in the red zone once and they scored, which I think was a touchdown pass to Juwan Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the funny thing. It's like, you know, that game went terribly, but they did score. They went one for one in the red zone. So if you look at it, like, this team is, like, rapidly climbing up the red zone efficiency charts. Because they think they're 10 of their last 11 in terms of touchdowns in the red zone, which is actually pretty remarkable efficiency. <laughs> but it hasn't resulted in a win uh, when you needed it. I mean, it did, you know, you did have two wins, so it's not like you're, you're looking at that. Like, that's the frustrating thing is, is like this team is still in position to potentially finish four out of five, but they just haven't been able to string that third win together. I've also had people telling me that, that Dennis Allen – is the worst thing that's ever happened to head coaching in the NFL. And I'm like, have you guys didn't know like urban Meyer exists? We'll, we'll get into that. That's a, that's another conversation for another day. Um, but I agree like to getting, uh, being creative on offense and, and finding ways to just not be so predictable to me is, is my X factor. And so whether that's through Taysom Hill or whether that's through, you know, the tight ends and Jimmy Graham and like, I don't need trick plays, right? I don't need fancy footwork and, and end rounds and reverse passes and stuff like that. But I do think that the fact that we just have seen literally none of that is pretty indicative of how little creativity goes into this offense. Like whether it's motions or, or whatever. And, and to me, that was the biggest, the biggest difference last week. If you're looking at where this offense is compared to where a good well-constructed NFL offenses is like watching how like the Sean McVay offense approached that game compared to a Pete Carmichael offense. It looked like they were in different leagues and and the Saints moved the ball, right? But like, it, it's just not, you're not doing anything that's really making life difficult on the defense. And it's hard to even call that an X factor because I don't expect it to happen, but that's to me, that's one of the big issues for this offense is it's so bland and so predictable and you can't even seem to do your basic stuff well. So I don't, I, I don't even have an X factor. I'm just so frustrated by that. We need Pete Carmichael to get in his bag. I don't think that's the thing. I don't I think know if he's got a bag. I think his bag is right. at the <laughs> bottom if it's not closed. So you try to put something in the bag and it just falls out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and I will give him credit. Like he he does make a like he does change things up. I think I just don't think that he has the bandwidth to to really outclass other teams. Like I think he's a good game, and I'm talking about in-game type stuff. I'm talking about in the heat of the moment, coming up with something that's going to work. Like I think he's a good game planner. I think he's a good coach, right? I just don't think that like it, like the in-game like decision making. I just don't think that's his bag. And uh, so yeah, well, I mean we'll see. And that's just like one of the myriad problems this team has to face this offseason. It's going to be interesting to see if they do it and how they do it. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe some magic happens this final two weeks. And you know, I don't think it's going to change how a lot of people feel, even if they did. You need finish. a late Christmas miracle for sure. Yeah. That's, the, that, that's easily like the most demoralizing part of it is you could win this game and have this huge upset or I don't know how huge it would be. A 7 and 18 being an 8 17. And then go out and beat the Falcons and still like you've put yourself in a situation where that's not enough. And that's the story of the last two seasons, right? Exactly. A lot of a lot of similarities there from last year to this year in that aspect, just the disappointing outcomes we've had. But there, there is still something to play for. I am still pulling for this team to make the playoffs. That's crazy, I know, as some people think yeah. that is. But um, yeah, the, obviously the odds are not in the Saints' favor. I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to root for a loss. I, I think the, the way I approach situations like this, and trust me, as someone who's watched a lot of Giants games, this is a situation I found myself in quite a bit. So I can <laughs> give you some of that insight into how to approach a game when your team is no longer really in contention. And and I've always kind of felt like it's like I'm going to watch this game and I'm going to root for my team to win. And it's like you don't sit there and get mad if your team look, play, is playing really good football and looks good. You try to pull the positives out of it and you say, well, you need, you want young players to build and you want people to get players to get better and you want to see things developing. But, but what, what, where it helps is not during the game. Like you just get lost in the fact that you're watching a football game and you're rooting and you're just a fan of that team, right? That's, that's how I've always approached it. And then at the end, if and when your team does lose, that's where it's, the benefit is of like, yeah, we lost, but that's probably for the best, right? That's, that's when that mood hits you. And again, I've had to do this a lot. <laughs> so, speaking from experience. I am speaking from experience because at the end of the day, you know, like I've watched, I've watched that Giants team and, and I don't watch them as closely anymore, you know, but uh, I was very invested in like the early 2000s, right? In like the early 2010s. And trust me when I say picking at sixth compared to ninth, you can still mess up that pick. Trust me. It's easy to do. Go ask Eric Flowers. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Daniel Jones, right? Like, oh man, we're going to take Daniel Jones at number six. They didn't even trade up for that. It was just like, oh. got it. All right. Well, yeah, that's it. That's the inside black and gold. Steve's <laughs> got to run. His mom's in town. They're going to, yeah. they're going to get cheesecake factory or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks everyone for listening I'm Jeff Nowak he's Steve Geller you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak you can follow him at Steve Geller WWL I'll be out in Tampa he will be hosting the pregame show on Sunday and that includes the pregame show to the pregame show and the postgame show yay so a busy day it's been so much fun this year yeah always but thanks everyone for listening who dat go Saints beat the Bucks beat the Bucks alright peace y'all be easy who dat <laughs> <laughs>